Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. And I'm thankful for the ladies that have been doing announcements for us. And I don't have to do that. <laughs> and they do a great job. So thank you. Uh, we're in a series. If you're new, we do series as topics of usually at three, four, five weeks in a row. And this series is called Five Things God Uses to Grow Your Faith. It's actually six weeks long because we get introduced it the first week. So we're in part three. We're on the second thing that God uses to grow our faith. And if you missed one of those or want to catch up, they're on our website. The audio is anyway. Where does this come from? Well, when anybody tells their story about how they grew there in their faith, how they became a Jesus follower, uh, there are five things, big things that God seems to use. And most people's stories have multiple uh, of these different issues. Uh, we talked about uh, practical teaching or practical biblical teaching last week. And most people talk about somewhere along the line, they came in contact with God's Word and it became real to them, important, uh, something meaningful. And so that had an impact on their faith. Uh, usually somebody was a good teacher or whatever. Today we're going to talk about providential relationships. Uh, next week we're going to talk about private disciplines. Private disciplines are things we do in private, obviously. And most of us know about those, think about those, and uh, they, they are disciplines, and we'll talk about the word discipline none of us like uh, next week. Uh, personal ministry, that's things we actually do to help others, and then uh, pivotal circumstances. But providential relationships is interesting because it's not something you can uh, force or do. Next week, we'll talk about things you can do. You can pray, you can read your Bible, et cetera, et cetera. Providential relationships just happen, but we're going to talk about how we can facilitate that or make it work better for us. So why is it important? Because trust is the key to strong and healthy relationships. Now, when we talk about relationships one another, we use the word trust. You know, I've been married a long time. I completely trust my wife. She completely trusts me. When we first got married, we're not quite sure. We talk about that same relationship with God, we usually use the word faith. It means the same thing. I believe uh, that God will do what I think he's going to do. He's going to follow through. Another good word is confidence. I have confidence in my wife or with God. And that's a key to strong and healthy relationships, which we all desire. And that results in intimacy. Our intimacy grows. Our closeness grows. So when I grow closer to God, that is beneficial to me. When I grow closer to my spouse and other folks, that's beneficial to me. So that's something we desire, and this is one way we can receive that or achieve that. Now, I want your help this morning. Worked pretty good in the first service, and our tennis is down this week, this Sunday, uh, so it probably work okay in this service. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask, answer one of two questions, all right? And here's the question. Thinking back over your life, if you're a Jesus follower, who is somebody, name them, some person that actually helped grow your faith, blew up your faith, uh, got you more interested in, in getting closer to God or drawing closer to God? They helped you do that. They encouraged you. They pushed you. All right? Uh, think of a person somewhere in your past. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted that you're here, they are checking us out, and you say, well, I can't do that. I can't play that game. Well, there's some reason you're here. 
<laughs> Either somebody invited you or uh, you, somebody encouraged you to have some interest in God or check God out or whatever or, or reestablish relationship with God. So there's probably somebody that gave, gave you increased interest in spiritual things or connecting with God. So, you got a name? Hope you got a name. And I prefer it's not a relative. We all could probably say our mom or dad or grandparent or something like that. So I prefer it would not be a relative. And what I want you to do is take about a minute. I want you to turn to somebody that's also not a relative. Uh, share the name of that person. And, you know, just briefly what they did. All right, what they said to you, how they interacted with you or whatever. All right, everybody ready? Think you can do that? Got somebody's name? Turn to somebody that's not your spouse <laughs> or your parent and share that name and what they did. All right? Go. <laughs> All right. That kind of a cool little exercise, wasn't it? I'm going to, of course, I've been thinking about this for weeks. I want to share with you some of those folks from my life. Most of you know if you've been here for a while. I didn't start going to church until I was 13. Um, uh, my neighbor, let's see, one, two, three houses up on our side of the street. His name was David Griffith. He was a year younger than me. He attended a local Baptist church. was probably, it was, in walking distance of the house. And he invited us. And, and then my mom talked to his mom. Their dad didn't go to church. And, and my mom had that normal response, well, I haven't got anything to wear. And even back then, this is in the 60s. They said, oh, you can wear anything. You can come casual. And so one Sunday we showed up. And my mom didn't know any better, but the, she said, well, you come at, for Sunday school, and then you stay for church, and then you come back Sunday night, and you come back on Wednesday. And so that's what we did, because that's what they told us to do. So anyway, my, I show up on Sunday morning on Sunday school, and this is a pretty small church, probably smaller than this church, but we had a boys' Sunday school class uh, for, I guess, middle schoolers, or we called it junior high and back in the day. And, and my teacher was a guy by the name of Mr. Daniels, and he was just a layman. And I didn't know these Bible stories. And so he started teaching these Bible stories, he started teaching the Bible, and it was just fascinating to me. He had a way of just teaching that made me interested in learning. And like I said, this is like 50 years ago. I still remember this guy's name. Well, on Sunday night, we had kind of the same, same deal. At 6 o'clock, we came for what was called training union. Now, the difference about training in you was the boys and girls were together. Now, as a teenager, that's pretty important, right? <laughs> you got to hang out with the girls. So we hang out with the girls, but the thing that was, uh, and the, the, a couple was our leaders. Their names were uh, the Tates, and they were laymen also. But we'd have a lesson, and in the lesson book were parts, and they made you get up in front of the group and do your part. Now, as a 13, 14-year-old, very shy teenager, this was like, excruciating, but that's what you had to do. And as I look back on it, so that's my first experience of actually standing in front of people and talking, which now I do for a living or have been doing for the last 40 years. Uh, but that's where it started. So that's when I was 13, 14 years old. Well, the, uh, the pastor left the church, and then we were a time without a pastor, and a new pastor came before long. Some of the people didn't like him, and so we had one of those things called a church split. Hopefully, you've never been a part of that. It's not very pleasant. <clears throat> but it was right down the middle, and our pastor, the pastor, uh, Pastor Watson, was forced to leave. Well, a bunch of people, my parents included, 
liked him, so we started a new church, or he started a new church, and we went with him. Now, this was important to me because probably a year later, he was the person I went and talked to and said, hey, I think maybe God might want me to be someday, (laughs) I kind of made it really vague, (laughs) be a pastor. (laughs) And so he was very supportive and gave me a lot of information, and I was just entering college, and I was uh, 17, and he told me what to major in and, and so forth. So that was a really big deal to me. And so he kind of mentored me through, uh, through college and part of seminary. And he had a way of teaching the Bible. It was just, it's just interesting. I would just sit there and listen to him and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, three times a week. And so it really gave me an interest in, in studying the Bible and teaching the Bible. So then he moves on to another church and and in that process of a church being without a pastor, my mom decided she wanted to move. And so we moved from Glen Burnie to Middletown, and we started attending the Myersville Baptist Church. Now, the pastor there's name was Al Mullins. I can't remember anything he taught. I can't. I assume he wasn't a great teacher. Hopefully he wasn't a horrible teacher. But there were some great things he taught me. One was he had left an established church in Frederick, south in Fre- Baptist church, uh, a good-sized church, and left that church to start a church in Myersville. That was really impressive to me. How many people go from a nice-sized church to no church or starting a church? So this had a big impact on my life because later, well, I've mostly pastored small churches, and later on the mission field, I pastored small churches. But the biggest impact this man had on me was we have only attended church maybe six months, and I was graduating from seminary, and he suggested to me, he said, this is in Myersville, we lived in Middletown. He said, you might want to, there's a small Baptist church in Washington County that could use your help, pastors elderly, and maybe until you get a church, you might want to go over there and help. So in January of 1976, I traveled over the mountain. I didn't know anything about Washington County. <laughs> I traveled over the mountain and attended uh, Eccles Mill Baptist Church and met a young 17-year-old lady by the name of Debbie Jenkins that you all know as Debbie Youngbar. Now, thinking back on all those providential relationships, and there's lots of more, what were the chances my mom wanted to move to Myers Middletown and we'd attend the Myersville Church and this pastor, just six months into knowing me, would suggest to me that, hey, you might want to go across the mountain and help this little church which eventually became my first, first church I pastored. Uh, my whole life would be different if I hadn't attended that church, if he hadn't suggested to me, if I hadn't take, followed through on his suggestion. Now, I use the word providential, and, and maybe you don't know what that word means, or we don't use that very often, so I'm going to give you kind of a canned definition. <laughs> uh, First, if you're not a Jesus follower, if you're not a religious person, you think of it as something that was fortunate or lucky or coincidental, right? That relationship. If you're a Jesus follower, we think of it involving divine intervention. It wasn't just by accident. It was God had a part in kind of directing the steps of my life and yours. Now, again, I had my part to play. I could go to Mr. Daniel's Sunday school class and goof off and not pay attention, or the Tate's class, or, or Pastor Watson uh, could have not went and talked to him. 
Uh, I had my part. I could have not followed through in his suggestions. Uh, again, with Pastor Mullins, I could, could have just ignored what he said or did my own thing. So there is the providential relationships, but there also is the important response or our part. And uh, it kind of sounds like this. You know, somewhere along, well, you know, I met this guy or met this gal and she invited me or he invited me or uh, somebody at work just, just was different and, and they would talk to me about serious things and I was kind of a goof off and then got my attention or just lived different. They had a different, a calm about them and I just was fascinated with this person. I, so I, I pursued a relationship with them. Uh, could be any scenario, any, any, any environment, any circumstance. Uh, different for all of us. I t- shared some of mine. You've shared some of yours. Could be a conversation. Could have been a one-time conversation. I remember back when I was in seminary and I was still single. And one of the professors, he was older, had been single all his life. And you, mean, you think of pastors, usually you think of having families. And so he invited me out to lunch once. And I had lunch with this, with this guy. And I didn't know my future. I didn't know if I was ever going to have a family. And so just one lunch, one conversation with this, with this seminary professor uh, gave me a, a, a possibility um, if God never chose for me to have a wife, that I could still have a, ha, have, have a ministry. Just one conversation. For most of us, it's, it's multiple conversations. That's what it was for me with Pastor Mullins and Pastor Watson. And, and most, most of the time, to have an impact on our lives, it's, a, it's multiple conversation. For some people, some situations, it's not even involved a conversation. It's just somebody you watched. Somebody at work, somebody at school, and they're just different. And it was some calm about them and something that was just attractive and appealing. And you just watch them. And, and somehow you found out, well, you know, they're, they're a spiritual person. They're a religious person. They're, they're a Christian. They, you know, God's a priority in their life. And this is the, the, the results of that. So, providential relationships. God uses relationships to impact our faith. Now, we don't think about this too often. We think about the Bible teaching. We think about the prayer and Bible study and so forth. But this is one of the big, big five, is that God uses relationships. And if you all thought back, you all can point to some relationship that God used to grow your faith, to increase your faith, to increase your connection with God and intimacy with God. Now, the flip side is also true. <laughs> Sometimes relationships undermine our faith. Now, I'm not going to ask you to share on this one, because this is a little more awkward or embarrassing, isn't it? We all can think back in our past where somebody that drew us away from God, drew us down the wrong path, and made us increase our doubts. Ah, you can't really believe that stuff, can you? You don't really want to do that. You don't really not want to do this. We all have those experiences too, don't we? Names and faces, people are coming to mind. In fact, our greatest regrets can be traced back to relationships, most likely. Occasionally, we do stuff on our own. But most regrets, somebody was saying, hey, come along with me and do this. Hey, let's do that. No, you don't want to believe that. You do want to do this. Greatest regrets. Why? Because relationships are powerful, aren't they? In fact, I often say this, life's about relationships. Good relationships make a good life. Bad relationships make a bad life. So here's a principle I want to share this morning. Relationships intersect with our faith for good 
or bad. And parents, you're especially mindful of this with your kids, children, aren't you? And I think in the church we miss this. We don't talk about this enough, how important relationships are. So what do we do? Again, you can't make providential relationships, but we can leverage our current relationships for the sake of building our faith. Take advantage of them. Pursue them. Now, why this is so important? Because everything else is working against us. Our culture, does your culture, does our culture, our society, encourage or promote or blow up your faith? No, our culture does everything it can to diminish our faith, right? You can't really believe that stuff. That's not any fun. You don't want to do that stuff. So culture is working against us. The other thing, we all have people in our lives, some of them are relatives, can't get away from, the people at work, school, that are trying to diminish your faith. Try and convince you this is a waste of time. You'd be better off doing something else. So we have people working against us, we have culture working against us, so we have to leverage our current relationships for the sake of building our faith. Now here's the interesting thing. We are rarely tempted to do the right thing, are we? As a pastor for 40 years, I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, I was so, I didn't want to, but I was so tempted to help those people, I helped them. You know, I, I didn't want to, I was so tempted to, to be nice to that person, I was nice to that person. You know, I didn't want to, but I was so tempted to share some money. With, we're not tempted to do the right things, are we? So relationships are important because we have to work with God in relationships, to grow our faith. So, in every relationship, we have a choice to make. Is this going to increase our faith or diminish our faith? Is it going to make us have more intimacy with God or is it going to draw us away from God? Now, most of us probably can, can share an experience where somebody, God used somebody to just kind of crash into our, into our lives. I'll use this example again. My wife might have been the person you probably had, it wasn't on your radar to teach the children. And my wife came to you, maybe in Bible school, and Bible school's coming up. She's probably gonna, she's probably gonna attack you, crash into your life, and say, hey, you need to teach, teach our children in Bible school. Some of you can give a testimony, right? But after you've done that, you can say, hey, that grew my faith. Now, on the other hand, some of you have said or are going to say, no, 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 I can't do that. I don't want to do that and walk away from it. And what I want to say to you this morning, I want to encourage you, not just because it's my wife or Bible school or whatever, is when those opportunities come up, don't walk away. Don't say no. Leverage that opportunity, that relationship for God to grow your faith. So we're just going to look at two quick verses from two different parts of the Bible. Talk about this. First, this comes from Proverbs, which <clears throat> Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, uh, shares with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Walk with the wise and become wise. Hang out with wise people, it kind of rubs off on you, right? The opposite is also true. Associate with fools, hang out with fools, and you're going to get into trouble. We can all give testimonies, right? Of that happening. Think about those regrets. Think about the regrets. That's what happened, right? 
hanging out with people we shouldn't have been hanging out. We're not too smart. And we weren't smart enough not to be foolish with them. So the people with whom we choose to surround ourselves have the potential to impact us spiritually. Again, we don't think about this too much. But the people we hang out with impact our lives spiritually. Now we're going to look at something that Paul wrote. We talk about Paul a lot. He wrote a lot of letters, started a lot of churches. And this is the one he wrote to 1 Corinthians. And we're kind of jumping into something here because I didn't want to take the time to, to do the backstory. But this, this is critical. He's saying, if there is no resurrection, some people say there is no, is no resurrection. He said, if there is no resurrection, this is the cornerstone of Christianity. If there is no resurrection, let's just close these doors and not come back. Because if Jesus wasn't resurrected, we're not going to be resurrected. There's no eternity. It's all a waste of time. And so people were teaching that. And so what he says next, is what they were saying is true. If there's no resurrection, we heard eat, drink, and be merry is the way we most of the time think about this, right? Let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die, which is true. You might as well just enjoy yourself as much as you can. Because your life, before you know it, it's going to be over. Of course, he's saying there is a resurrection, but if there isn't, this is what you do. And then he goes on to explain something, and even if you're not a Jesus follower or a Bible person, you probably recognize this part of this next verse. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. They're foolish. For bad company corrupts good character. Again, parents, you're especially mindful of this, right? Who your kids hang out with. Now, this is just more than common sense. It is common sense, but it's more than this, isn't it? There's a spiritual component to this. And we've all seen this at work, in our lives and the lives of other people. Wow, that, you know, that person's really bringing that person down. That person's bringing that person down. Bad company corrupts good character. So there's a spiritual nature to relationships. It's just not a surface thing. It's, it's not a relationship thing. There's a spiritual nature, and it works for us, or it can work against us. What I mean, want to encourage you this morning, let it work for you. Don't hang out with fools. Hang out with the wise. So what is our part? What is our part? We can be intentional about putting ourselves in, in, in circumstances or environments where God may create. We can't force providential relationship, but put yourself in environments where it's more likely or God may create providential relationships. Now, we hear about this in all our baptismal stories. So I'm going to share one of them. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, actually, from one of our teenagers. Hi, I am Caleb Humphreys, and I'm 14 years old, and I go to Smithsburg Valley Church. I did go to church when I was very, very little, like before I was two years old. But when we moved up here to Smithsburg, I never really went to church. We just... We thought of most churches that we have been to were boring or, you know, you would walk in and people would judge you as soon as you walked in because you were different. And that I came here for youth group and I liked it. I felt comfortable with the people. So I came here on Sunday with my mother. We started coming. My grandparents started coming. As soon as I walked in, there were people there that greeted me, were talking to me, made me feel comfortable. Just the way they even spoke to me was very sweet. Inside the church, I love to volunteer. I love to help with the children. I love to do programs. I love going to small groups, youth group. But once we started coming here, we met people. 
We grew bonds with people. We basically have new family. We have a Smithsburg Valley family. I wanted to get baptized because it felt right to. I'm not sure how to put it into words really, how I felt about it. I just knew that I wanted to. So, Caleb, on your public profession of faith to all these folks, and in obedience to God's command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to an old knife that you have down. Head down, head down. Praise to me, Lord. We almost got you. All right, you hear about all the relationships, connections. That's why it's, all of you are so important to people like Caleb. Remember that day was how, how hot it was last July. So, put yourself in environments. And so when we talk about circles or small groups, it's not so just everybody's in a small group or know more about the Bible. It's about relationships. And uh, it's hard to develop much of a relationship on Sunday morning, even though you can... You can do part of that. That's why circles are so critical. More important than rows. I love to have people to talk to, but it's more important to be in those relationships. That God can use those to grow your faith, to blow up your faith. <clears throat> now, we talked about other people being providential in your life. The flip side is also true and very important, and this often doesn't happen at church doesn't happen in a religious setting. It's where God wants to use you to be a providential person to somebody else. So the question is, are you and I, are we willing to be available to God to be that person in someone else's life? Think about it this way. If you're a Jesus follower, hopefully you're praying for some people that aren't. Maybe you're really burdened. Maybe you're even grieved about this person. They're just going down the wrong path. Their life's a mess. Their marriage is a mess. Their finances is a mess, whatever. And you just wish you could help and you pray for them, but you don't talk to them. And I understand this. I'm the same way. Why? Because it's awkward. It doesn't seem like it's any of your business, right? Even if you know these people. You know, it's not, you know I shouldn't tell them what to do with their money. I shouldn't tell them what to do with their marriage. I shouldn't tell them what tell them what to do with their kids. But think back to those providential relationships you've had. And many of those started or at least had awkward moments in them, didn't they? Where somebody said, hey, you know, I see you, you know, I don't think this is good what you're doing. So why part of what I want to say to you this morning, I want to encourage you to go beyond praying, go beyond being concerned about the people, and go beyond the awkwardness that had the potential to be providential in his other people's lives. Because that's our story. It could be somebody else's story. Get out there and let God use you. So the principle is this. Our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives, whether, for, whether you're 14 or 40. Again, parents... <laughs> You are so aware of this. Big faith. Big faith increases our intimacy with God. And intimacy with God and with others is what we all desire. So, we had to choose. 
Choose to cooperate. Choose to cooperate to put ourselves in environments where we can have providential relationships. We need to choose to initiate potential providential relationships for others. God wants to use relationships to grow your faith and mine. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for relationships. We thank you we don't do this on our own. We thank you for all the people you brought in our lives that's directed us down the path of, of faith and intimacy and trust. And God, I'm going to pray for people here today, first and foremost, that they'll be thankful. Maybe write a letter, call someone and say, I'm going to thank you for your part you had in my faith. And then to make ourselves available, put ourselves in environments for potential relationship and make ourselves available for you, God, to use to be providential in other people's lives. Wow, that is such an amazing thing. When someone says, hey, God, use you to grow my faith. It's a win-win situation. And as always, I want to pray for anyone here that is not in relationship with God, and maybe you're thinking about it, that you would take this, the time now and seriously consider stepping across that line. It would make your life better, make your relationships better. Uh, we're here to help. God, I thank you that you provided in Jesus all that we need. In his name we pray, amen.